Greetings, friends! This episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Usual Wines. Griffey, are you a fine wine drinker? I mean, absolutely. Everyone who listens to this show uh, is aware of uh, my love of a fine vintage and, uh, you know, getting loose so I can throw some movie conspiracies. I, I legitimately did not expect you to answer that way, so I'm completely thrown now. Well, there you go. This usual, ad is, usual I don't know what wines, Yeah, Usual Wines probably has a very taut algorithm. I'm like, who's a bad mofo uh, who loves movies and drinking copious wa- amounts of wine? And they're like, boop, 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 boop. That guy, Griff, film alchemist. <laughs> and here we find uh, ourselves. <laughs> yeah, Usual Wines, it's a uh, wine company for the modern drinker, whatever that means. That's me. I'm like I'm like That's, a Terminator, oh, right? So it's, their it's algorithm, Griffey. yeah, their algorithm is Skynet, and they're like, "Griffy, we need him." <laughs> and I appear butt naked with little bottles in my hand, and I just terminate <laughs> alcoholic beverages. That's what I do. That is what the modern drinker is. It's me butt naked, hammering delicious vintages from uh, usual God. wines. God, I hope they listen to this, uh, guys. If you like, <laughs> if you like wine, these. This company is definitely for you. Uh, each bottle is a six and a half ounce pour, which is uh, like a glass and a half, which is perfect if you don't want to waste a whole bottle. Um, it's low carb, but then most importantly for my friend Griff here, zero grams of sugar according to their website. Yeah, the the end of my Terminator movie is not me going into lava, but like a stack of sugar. I'm just like, no, and I'm melting. Yeah, I, I love the idea of low sugar. I love the idea of the individual bottle. Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to like keep corking it, you know. Then you have like that third at the bottom that's left. It never tastes good the next day. Exactly. Also, exactly. with smaller bottles, you can try various different uh, flavors. You don't want to yeah. commit to a whole bottle. You're like, I want to have one and then switch on to a new flavor. I love that. They have three, I think, in circulation right now. One's a red blend. The other was a rosé, and then there's a sparkling white wine called a brut, which I'm actually enjoying right now during this recording. Uh, in this cool like mad scientist beaker they're keeping it in i, I like it a lot it's a it's a go. fun it's it's fun to check it out but yeah uh, my wife and i uh drank it while we were watching the movie and uh actually made the movie more enjoyable which isn't to say it wasn't enjoyable already but man once you got liquor in you yeah good, so you get a news. cool little bunsen uh beaker bottle of booze afterwards you can make invisible man potion <laughs> You can sit down with your friends and watch The Princess Bride, and when they say, you are the Brute Squad, you just hammer your whole case of Brutes <laughs> using the code FILM as you check out, so you'll get a discount for being our listeners. And when yes. you, you hammer the whole thing, when they tell Andre, you are the Brute Squad, you drink all your Brutes, you get back on Usual Wine's website, and you order a whole gang more using Indeed. the code FILM. What's the website, Alec? What's the official website? If you go website? to... Uh... You go to www.usualwines.com. With your order, you put the discount code FILM in, Mm -hmm. and you'll get $8 off your first order, and you get a free free glass on them. And when you drink your free glass for being a Film Alchemist listener, you picture me running up to Bill Paxton naked (laughs) with wine. Now I know they're going to sell this. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let's get to the pod.
Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my white-haired, strange-eyed, cavorting with other hive-minded children and co-host, Alex Dandino. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> all right guys as always uh you can find us on all the social media platforms you're on go ahead follow us subscribe whatever all the various buttons and pressings uh of things happen over there find us there get at us shout us out uh recommend movies recommend themes double features guest hosts anything like that we'd love to hear from you uh in that vein you can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com uh if you also want to reach out to us that way we also are giving you the ability to look at our faces as you listen to our voices on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. Uh, We have some new videos coming out. We have trailer reactions. We're starting our filmography face-offs, which we're very excited about. We started out, we made the case, whose filmography would you rather have, Wes Craven or John Carpenter? It was a tough battle. We We had to make the ones we love fight, but it was very fun. Uh, So that's it, guys. Lots of good stuff coming for you. Uh, Make sure you use our code FILM over at usualwines.com. Get yourself some wine uh, while you listen to the show and watch the movies. All good stuff. Absolutely. All right. That's the business. Let's talk devil children. (laughs) Or in this case, satanic children. Yeah, we don't know what these children are. Satanic, alien children. (laughs) I could not tell you, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I ha- we'll get to that later. Yeah. But uh, Alex, mm-hmm. today in our The Pod's Evil Spawn Month, yes, we have hit Village of the Damned. Yeah, uh, Village of the Damned 1960, which is the original version. Yeah, not the John Carpenter one, which Alex watched like a rube. Just kidding. There's never a bad time to watch a John Carpenter movie. True. But I do think for this specific story, I think the 1960 version is so such a better distillation of this idea uh alex what are your initial thoughts on village of the damned uh i agree with you i mean i think that it's weird because like i we we just got through john carpenter month and i think village of the damned remake might be <laughs> you're just like you're like in the mode you're like oh obviously it's the john carpenter one. right i mean like that was my initial thought and i'm like cool yeah like it's one of those just after effects of doing like so many john carpenter movies in a short period of time so but it's interesting because I watched that one. I was like, oh, shit, we were supposed to watch the other one. So I turned on. <laughs> so I turned on Village of the Damned from 1960. And I realized, like, the thing that's missing from the thing that's missing from John Carpenter's version, the thing that makes this one so interesting is this, like, sort of super repressed Britishness that I'm not sure <laughs> that we don't get, like, anywhere else. Like, we've watched Peeping Tom and a couple other great, like, British horror movies on this pod and a couple of just British British dramas in general. You don't get that level of repression from other, as, other countries' films. And Britain particularly just has such a great, great – does such a great job of, like, freaking everyone out with, like, things that shouldn't be scary at all. Like, people walking in straight lines and being polite is just terrifying in this movie. <laughs> but you know what's weird, though, is that I would argue the Brit- the Britishness is important in this film because everything that happens in this movie is the scariest thing of all time. We're <laughs> yes. talking about the end of religion, yes. uh, life as we know it, planet Earth, pol- like, everything. This movie 
makes the case and says specifically, here is a uh, an event from which we cannot go back, yes. right? There's one of these things that a lot of these kind of horror movies and science fiction horror movies do at the end where it's like, ah, oh, they're gone. We'll move on. Yeah. But you're like, eh. you you always get the sense that when these characters survive something like that, that world still changed because now we'll be like, oh, man, we got to fucking develop like psychic bullets or something for when those little fuckers come back. Uh, this is a, at a watershed moment. But you have these people who are still like, well, I need to go put on my tuxedo to have a sherry by the fire <laughs> yeah, exactly, and politely like, you know, rabble rouse with my wife and brother-in-law. And I was like, that's what I love is that these British people are just really keeping it together yeah. in a way that I find shot. Like but, even they have that great scene where it's like the war cabinet meeting, right? And if this was like an American movie, it'd literally be generals like ripping out their pecs and uh, like, let's fucking arm wrestle exactly, for it. It's literally exactly what I just <laughs> said though. Like the upper crust, the uptightness of everyone to me is the thing that's terrifying because no one wants to like give up the ghost. Cause like, yeah, if this was an American movie and like it is obviously in some ways, but if this was, an American idea, this would immediately be like the level of shock and terror that like Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a movie that I think you could correlate to this movie as like sort of a similar time period, similar uh, addressing of uh, fears. But the difference in which a way that's handled is so fascinating to me because where hysteria really runs the gamut for Don Siegel's version of um, <clears throat> Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Village of the Dam does such a good job of everyone just like quietly walking around being like, just shut the fuck up and do your job, all right? Just just go about your day. Don't <laughs> don't don't fuck around, whatever you do, all right? And also those kids are terrifying. Like there's just there's a level <laughs> of buttoned upness that's scarier than any other movie that I think that could come out right. of this time period. But they but they say that in the war meeting, right? Where it's right. like the Eskimos just slaughtered them, right? And they start listing off tribes. They're like, uh, so somewhere in like what looked like the old Soviet Union, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like murdered all the kids and mothers, just straight Not up just murdered, murdered them. Right? They fucking blew them up with a nuclear shell, like that. Well, no, that's that's later, right? Oh, they, then they get to Russia and they're like, of course the Russians they like Dolph Lundgren yes. them, right? And they're like, they put them into a facility with you know genius scientists. Like we're gonna really weaponize these things as fast as we can. Obviously, that didn't go well. They got hit with an atomic bullet, I think they called yeah. it back then, right? Uh, but, yeah, so you're like, all these other countries are just like, ew, gross, and slaughter these fucking kids. And the British are like, well, perhaps uh, we'll live with them in the school. Yeah. We'll talk to them. Uh, of course, perhaps, we'll reach them. Perhaps we it's shouldn't do most, anything too crazy. Yeah. It's one of the most British ideas of, like, we'll land our ships in their school. We'll take over. They'll be glad we're here. They'll pay us money. It's, it's great. It's what we it's do. It's truly a right? wonderful <laughs> example of imperialism. Yeah, but in this, but but this is so, but the Britishness is important, right? But what I think is really important about this, right, is this is one of those like ideas that just gobsmacks you. You're like, what a brilliant yeah. conceit for a film, right? And it, it obviously came from a book, right? The Midwich Cuckoo, I think it was called, yes. uh, or the Cuckoo of Midwich, one of those it's two. The Midwich right? Cuckoo. But what is. Yeah, what is brilliant about the movie is that it has this absolutely phenomenal conceit, right? Mm -hmm. An entire village goes dark at the exact same time, right? And when they wake up, all the women of birthing age are now pregnant. Brilliant. You're like, that's fucking brilliant. Okay. What this movie does so exceptionally well 
Because I feel like the movie, the the first handful of bit, right? Like once the British guy gets there and we see the policeman go down. Mm -hmm. That's our first hand. What they do is they lay the pieces of this, that it, the world building in it is phenomenal, right? Because yeah. it is in our world. But the establishing of rules. Yeah. That's and the establishing of what's happening is so crystal clear, so concise and sharp. And the other thing I found about this movie is every time there was a maybe a minor drag in the film, I would start thinking, well, wait, what about this? Right. This is something that some character in this bubble may have confronted. It felt like the movie, the movie psychically was like, oh, you got that question. Boom. Answer. Yeah. It is phenomenal how concise they are and they almost take it all the way to its logical conclusion there's maybe like a couple real weird out there ones but they do such a good job of building this invisible menace yeah i mean i think the beginning of this movie i remember i, I wrote down in my notes i'm like is it me or is the beginning of this movie exceptionally long but then i thought about it and i'm like there's no <laughs> way they couldn't make it any shorter because they have to establish these rules very quickly but also, like, in yes. a way that paces well to keep the movie interesting. Because, honestly, like, we all know Village of the Damned. We see the poster. It's a bunch of creepy little kids. You're like, cool. You get about half an hour into the movie. And you're like, when do these fucking kids show up? Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And But the entire time the groundwork is laid so well that, again, like, the pacing of the policeman falling asleep, the, like, the military showing up, the whole rigmarole of the uh, – the pilot the pilot going down the whole thing so yeah. good every every aspect yeah. of it is so important because then when you finally get to the kids themselves that established fear of like holy shit everyone thought it was like a gas or something anything it could have been anything the whole thing is so established you're like you don't know what's going to happen what if everyone falls asleep again there's just like this overall well established fear that make those kids Within their own right, when they show up on screen, they're scarier, but only because we don't know where they came from at all. No recollection. We're as yeah, well, we're I, as I clueless actually, as the village of Midwich. Yeah, right. Well, I think the tear is kind of a twofold attack, right? So, in a way, to me, this is almost like a. It's hard to say. It's almost two different films, right? Because there is. So this first part is. The opening is actually truly terrifying to me, right? We see the man on the tractor going in circles and hitting the tree. It's a little violent, yeah. right? But just the passing out, we see car crashes, we see an iron burn. Like, this is a a horrifying scenario, right? right. So that, that in and of itself, right? What if this shit just shuts down? And then you're left with this because no one can go in the bubble. There's this what the fuck is going on in there, right? right? That becomes so this this looming specter. And this film obviously has a very, you know, violating kind of kind of core, sure, right? Yeah. The violation that all of these characters feel, right? Especially the birthing moms, though. Yeah. But the violation of because this is the scene that I, I constantly find myself wondering every time I watch this is I'm like, are we assuming that like with the same if it's aliens, right? Because at one point he says, is there life on another planet? And the kids like look down and won't answer. Almost as if, hey, don't let them know about the invasion force coming or whatever. <laughs> uh, but then the ending presumes maybe demonic. But anyways, I'll get to that. But I was like, so are we to presume that whatever's making this uh, Stephen King-like dome 
is also just like 3D printing these kids in the womb? <laughs> is there like a guy with like a, you know, like a caulking gun full of kids or I mean, is this like actual like going for it? And it that becomes so horrifying to me. Cause I was like, if it's a physical act, then it's got this gross, carnal, rapey vibe that's scary. Right. If they're just walking around like just almost like the 3D printing version, that's also just so clinical and cold, right? right? That you are not even a thing to me. You're not a life form worthy of having the sanctity of your own body, right? So all of it becomes so fucking scary and weird. And the scene that really dialed in for me, right? Because you see these people like unable to accept when the man falls down. Mm-hmm. But when the plane falls down, that scene to me is the the unbelievable scene of the film, right? Yeah. In two ways. Because one, you see this, it's like he can already see why send him lower. Why? They're, the expendability of this man's life, right? That they're just like, go lower, <laughs> but be careful. It's like, be fucking careful. I can't see. It's invisible. Right. But when he dies, right? And you see the, pff, the explosion in the woods, the look on everyone's face I think that is the, you know, no pun intended. That's like the lightning bolt moment of, oh, my fucking God. Because before it's people passing out, right? We pull the soldier out and he's like, I'm cold. I'm just cold. It's fine. That's not when you see that plane fall from the sky. That is literally your modern technology and the military. The sign of power has no fucking effect here. Yeah. Right. You can't bring anything to help. There's no help. It's just this invisible you know reminder that life as you know it is done right and that that scene to me like the reaction on the the soldiers faces right after that that moment or two and they do these great intercuts of what their faces they like and they know it's coming right because he keeps going like pull up pull up slow down and you're like no that ain't that ain't happening (laughs) right and it's so good because this is when these men are like oh fuck yeah I mean, I think that and that's, that's... I think the audience feels that, too, yeah. That's something I really love about the way this movie is shot, too, is the close-ups are really, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've only ever seen that really in, a, like, mainly British movies from the 60s, which is, like, just these, like, weird... Some of them are pushes in, but some of them are just, like, these quiet close-ups. Like, like they're not... There's no expression on their face other than tense. It's just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just this continuous thing but it builds such tension particularly during yeah. that scene i'll tell you the scene that i thought was that, that was like the one that i was like oh shit like this is ex- this is basically this is addressing something that no one was willing to address in 1960 but like it kind of came up was the woman who the first woman when the, she goes into the doctor uh realizing she's pregnant and she has like no way of explaining it i that scene with that woman, like she was wonderful, but like that was the part I was like, there is some true terror in the unknown in this in this fucking movie. Like the unknown is so many variables yeah. in Village of the Damned, but I can't imagine the Cronenbergian fear you must feel having a baby inside you and you have no idea how it got there. That is like pure yeah. terror. Sure. Well, that's the because that that like sequence, right, comes after there's this funny part, right? We do this like kind of drifting camera when all the villagers are passed out. So yeah. we think, all right, something's floating around. We know something's happened, right? The close up on the for whom the bell tolls village of the damned, right? An Iron Maiden voice, like great opening. Right. Then we kind of come back and to your close up point, there's just this shot of it's the scene in the movie. You're like, if this was a modern movie, this would be like the push in. I don't know what happened. Yeah. 
I don't. Because they're literally, she's like, oh, weird, I woke up cold. And he's like, me too? Strange. <laughs> wow. And she asked him, like, darling, what did happen? And, and nowadays, we're like, well, Michael Bay shot. I don't know. That's how we make movies today, right? right? And this one, he just literally is like, I don't know. And the close-up's not even on him. It's on her. Yeah. And it's just like, these people don't even give a fuck yet. It's just like a, ah, look at that. But we know how scary it is, right? Right. And to your point, yeah, I love the, oh, this is fucking, because, yeah, when we get to the lady who's like, I swear to God, I didn't have sex. Yeah. Uh, there's a 17-year-old girl, right? There's a girl, or uh, a woman, an older woman, whose husband just got home from a year abroad, uh, and she's knocked up. And he looks like he could just murder at any minute. <laughs> So this becomes really fucking scary, yes. right? The only people who are happy are the fucking, you know, rich, richest whites yeah, up on the, the Zellabies. He's like, oh, great. I'm 85 and I'm obviously not pumping blanks. Of course. And it's like, yeah, good for me. The, sh- the sun. Good yeah, for me. You walk between the raindrops, old fucking dick slinger. Good for you. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you the scene that jumped out at me this time. And I was like, oh, that's insidious. When she goes to the market, right, and she's picking up her, like, fucking pickles and anchovies, whatever that disgusting meal was she ate. Yeah. The ladies go, uh, the lady at the shop, she's kind of hip, right, that maybe there's a pregnancy afoot, right? right? Uh, And she just goes, how's Mr. – God, I forget the character's name, right? Zellaby. Yeah, how's Mr. Zellaby? And she goes, he's great. (laughs) And gives her, like, the wink, and I was like, oh, my God. So not only were these aliens impregnating, right? But there is a part of me that thinks that the second group, right? So that's the alpha strike, right? Right. You know, we got to penetrate, build our forces, get out, you know, seal team six of outer space, whatever. There's another team that's running around like, hey, man, you got to make all these dudes as horny as possible so that there is just this massive deluge of fucking so that everyone is convinced that they did knock their wives up. It's insane. Because when she looks at him, it's like, better than ever. I was like, that's a Viagra commercial. Yeah. They just put a Viagra commercial oh, right in the village middle of, of the village of the damn. Like, the first, the post-wake-up <laughs> first, like, five minutes is a full-blown Viagra commercial. The scene where she walks yeah. up to him, they, like, passionately kiss and touch each other's faces. Yeah. Like, oh, they go, fuck. Yeah. Oh, they've been. Well, it's so weird. They're like, are you cold? Me too. Just fucking ripping their tops off. It's like, Paint me like your French girls. Like, that's not the reaction I would have. To Wasn't like, expecting. Fuck, that. I was knocked out for three hours. Like, Jesus Christ. But I was like, these aliens are making them horny as fuck. Right. And I was like, this is what a strange sub layer. But again, it gets back to this. She's like, how are you going to hide this? That's the other. I was like, these, these, uh, these aliens. That is, like, my one thing in the movie. I'm like, they didn't think it out well. Because I was like, why would you go to the small town where everyone knows everyone? You got to, like, if you drop these fucking things in, like, New York City, right? A hundred of them. You're already in a spaceship. You're already able to beam down and have technology. Just watch New York like the real world for a month. And just be like, who's been getting crushed, right? That's who we can impregnate. Nah, man, you got to start. Don't fucking go find, like. The old woman whose husband's been gone in the seventeen year old. You got to start your. Uh, you got to start your co-opting of the human race small. That's the whole point. Well, no, I. I mean, I think it works really well for this movie because it extrapolates out on this concept of it's scarier when there are people who know for a fact they should not be pregnant. Right. If it was just like you know the real world and every character is like fuck, I knew it. 
Like that's not. You're like we knew it too. It's not that scary, right? But <laughs> but I was like, you could be a, a a wee bit craftier. But I like it because it plays on this whole like virgin birth thing too. Like we never really talk about in Bible stories like how weird it is that God's just like boom, carry him, <laughs> and you know Joseph's just like cool, 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 cool. I'm just gonna be here to like shepherd and uh, you know change diapers i guess holy diapers like yeah that's me now that's me joseph this is the life i set out for myself <laughs> right it's scary and we never talk about that and this movie talks about it um one of the things that really hit home with me now uh being a father of you know a five and a two-year-old i thought it was so funny that that the fear takes the shape these are not raving lunatic monster kids no. right essentially what is scary about these children is that they are every parent's wet dream yeah, of a child. They're the perfect minus children. making you boil your hand. Yeah, right. That's not cool. That was that was not cool. I'm, bad. I'm not bad, saying maybe, they're bad. not children. I mean, Other there's occasional that. children moments, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, they are the perfect children. They go to school. They come home. Yeah, they act like little adults. Like you know, what more do you want? I mean, that's like. That, but you're right. right. That is like the true fear and the sc more scary thing is that. Like, and I think that's the thing that always is awesome about, like, Zelleby particularly is, like, Zelleby spends the entire movie, like, everyone else is, like, I feel like everyone else is, like, get rid of these fucking kids. And he's the only one who spends the movie, like, trying to understand them a little better. Trying to actually, mm -hmm. like, trying to actually figure out what it is that they're doing here. Because he, I, I think early on he knows, besides the fact that he's just not, he, I think he knows he's not the father, for one. Oh, well, they show you that specifically in a scene. There's a moment right. after when we start finding out everyone's knocked up and whatever, where he walks up and touches his wife's face as he's done a couple times at the start. Mm -hmm. And it's so fast and they walk off and they hold on the wife and you can see in her face like, Oh fuck. Uh, I'm damaged to him in a way. Right. Right. Zellaby knows he's not. Cause again, he's like, fuck, I'm 68 years old. Like he has to know he's not, you know, just throwing seeds around. Yeah. He's not like whoever's delivering the mystery seeds to all of us Americans. Right. Like, that's not his life. And he, you know, he has that moment. Then he's like, oh, yeah, that's not me. Come on now. No. But he has that weird, like, maybe I'll get something out of this, right? Like, I think he then totally detaches from all the things he liked, right? Because when he finds out he's having the kid, you've made my happiness complete, right? Right. I think after that, his happiness is undone and ripped asunder. And he's like, well, at least now I can, you know, be attached to this great leap. Right. Because this is the thing that... It is weird because all the whole process of having kids is about us being consumed, right? right? When you have a kid, they are consuming you in a lot of ways, Absolutely. right? Your time, your energies, you. This is something that parents say that I hate because I think it's a shitty parent thing. It's like the story is not about me anymore. I'm a side character. I'm like, that's when you have like bad dads that are like whipping fastballs at their kids. It's like. I didn't make varsity, but you're going to child abuse, right? Like whipping fastballs at their kid. Be tough, you puss. That's what bad parents do, right? I'm going to make you like a little version of me. Right. You're not the, the subject in their story, but you realize this is what how I think of it as a parent. Right? I'm not the like a subplot character in their fucking story, but I begin to think of my own story and how it's closer to the end. And how there's less possibility for me and how I, right. I am set in a place in my ways, right. right? That's how I think of it as a parent, right? And that's what this movie does is what if even on a global scale past just the, the, the home family unit, right? 
this is a moment where all of us just go, fuck. Like, we're, we're done. We're useless. Right. Because in this moment, these children can destroy the concept of God, society, government, individuality, right? There's a lot of that fear of communism in this again. Yeah, definitely. But it makes you wonder, though, because that's what I like about this. It, it is definitely a fear of communism movie, but I don't think that it makes a really strong case that's just like, communism's evil. Yeah. Because I think they do a pretty good job of showing you it's not how we live. It's not what we're used to, and we don't want to be replaced by this. But I don't know that you can make the case that the kids are demonstrably worse than anyone else we see in the movie. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I think that that's like – to me, I mean, yes, there are overreactions. But I will say, like, the kids, when they do things, like the car crash – the car crash guy. I mean, a guy was going to run down a six-year-old girl yeah, I mean, like, because I don't know if he's drunk or not. But but there's rarely in the movie when – like, there's rarely in the movie where any of the kids do things unprompted that would, like – like, anyone, would, uh, anyone else would have, like, a reaction to. Like, me personally, if someone tried to run over my six-year-old kid, I'd – if I was a six-year-old or if I was an adult seeing it happen, I'd probably chase the guy down and beat his ass. Or do something and find a way to find a way to make him hurt because that's a terrible thing to have happen. You don't want anything anything like that to happen to a kid. Like there's yeah, if you had mind bullets, they're getting unleashed. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> sure. there's a level for sure. So to me, the kids are not necessarily well, and they bring it up in the movie, but they're not necessarily to me. They're not necessarily evil. They just they don't have the. It's the predilection for like the consequences. I guess you I would say, but like to me, like, I can't remember how. Zellaby put it but he basically was like the kids are not um damn I, I i can't remember the phrasing he said that they're missing uh oh the uh the resistance to like reasoning maybe is that what how he put it i can't emotion 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 yeah, that, that's what it was that's what makes them stronger is they're not because yeah. emo- that that's what the end of the movie is the divergence right it's the strong emotionally sound individual which i think you could argue they made a stake in having mr Zellaby play that role because he's essentially a British robot as well. Right. Uh, they probably could have had one of the characters that had an emotion. I was thinking the mom. Uh, they kind of just like, thanks for the baby. You're out of the movie. Right. right. She's there to just like, oh, David. Right. Like That's what she does for the rest yeah, of the she's movie. She's got a lot of that going but on. But she actually had. That's where I think they missed a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Mr. Zellaby has no emotions in this whole movie. But I- Neither does the brother-in-law military man. Right. So who has an emotion that can then be the, I am strong and my emotional attachment is what saves. I guess you could argue that him blowing himself up and being see, nice to his dog. It's interesting. That's an emotional response, but, but it's cold and logical. But see, it's still. interesting that you say that because I thought the same thing. Like Zellaby goes, like particularly with the climax of the movie, like Zellaby goes in being like, I have to be a brick wall. I must be a brick wall. And not, I'm like, who the fuck's going to read your mind anyways, man? You have like no emotion. You are rich British man. Like that's well, no, that was one of those scenes where I was like, hey, maybe instead of, uh, you know, chanting the mantra, I must be a brick wall. I was like, maybe just make the fuse like 30 seconds shorter. <laughs> like Maybe the moment you walk in the door, just have it as a button. Hi, kids. Fuck you very much. <laughs> you know, like, like blow it up. Like, don't don't give yourself a three minute timer. Right. Hey, kids. Fuck your mothers. <laughs> you know I mean? That's what we used to do before you came here and took them over. I hate you. <laughs> 
explosion, right? You get one line and it's over. But I think that's that was it. That was a. But that's his like his his human side, right? Because that's the cool thing about Mister Zelby. He's like, you could be one of us if you want for your emotions. I was like, which one? I I mean, he's nice to his dog. That's literally his only. I guess he he's like, oh, the vapors. When he finds out he's gonna be a dad, right. he's like, should I go to the kitchen? Where is that room? Can I make you something to eat? I I'll try it. I don't know. I'm too busy being science man. Yeah, it's such but a yeah, weird so, thing. So man. The, but this story though, right? Of the strong individual with emotion versus the high mind, all the thinking. It's really interesting. And I think you actually see a weirder version of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the the strong mob ridden with emotion versus the mob that is like one high mind, cold and illogical, right? right? When the drunk dads are like, fuck him. We're going out. Like that's a scene that really hit me because, you know, with what's happening in the world today, right? We have a lot of this. Our norms are being broken constantly. Right. And our new, every day it feels like we're finding ourselves in new realities. Like, this is how it is now. Right? Like, I had a, there's a, a little kid in my neighborhood. And I heard them running around yesterday, right? Like, they can play outside and, like, you know, try to stay apart, whatever. No licking each other. You set it down, like, some ground rules and hope for the best. Right. Right? And the girl ran by and she's just like, Enough of the dang coronavirus talk. It's just the flu. And I was like, oh, because I, you know, we all live in a neighborhood. So her parents are friends of mine on Facebook. Right. And I just know that they're not real smart. Right. Like they're they're dumb. And one of the best things about dumb people is they've they've set their flags down. They know what they want to know. And they start, you know, of course, neither of them are doctors. They don't know anything about medicine. Right. But they're over it. Right. And I think we see this. That's like a small example of what you see across the whole world right now is people who don't want to face a new reality. So what they're doing is finding any way, demon sperm or whatever else, to, you know, this is what I believe, and I'm going to make it true. I'm going to foist my thoughts into reality. You're like, that's not how this shit works. Right. And that scene very much resonated, because that guy just walked into the bar, right? His wife has given birth to this thing, and now lives at a school, and he's just, fuck you, I'm going to have a beer, right? <laughs> and next thing you know, he's like, I think we should kill him! Let's kill him and walks down there because he's like, I'm not fucking being replaced. And you just see these this bar. There's that great like pan across the room. You just see all these men, right? The kind of guys who if you're at a barbecue with them, be like, let me tell you what's really going on in Washington. I'm like, yes, uh, you are a realtor who sells condos. I'm sure you know the inside deeds. Please hook me up with your fucking vast forbidden knowledge. Fucking Rick. You know what I mean? That's the guy who's at that bar. The guy who is a small, tiny person and hasn't realized it yet, right? The guy who thinks he knows all the truths and then is smacked by the universe and saying, fuck, I am small. I am meaningless. Like, I can get fucking mind controlled into a wall, right? And that guy, those group of guys, right, have seen two of their ilk, right? Like, one of the startling scenes is the shotgun scene. Yeah. Because one, the Zellabies and, uh, you know, brother can't help. And this other guy who wanted to kill them ends up being killed, even though he relented at Zellaby's request. So you see this like this being brushed aside of these men and this bar full of men who were the kings of their own tiny worlds now know how useless they are. And they're like, let's go murder kids. And it's like it. But that's they're probably the most honest characters in the movie to me. What? Because this is a question I'll ask you, right? If this happened in our world today. You can't do like you can't go back. No. Right. Like if this happened somewhere. Right. Like, let's say this happened here where I live. Right. And that was like the town next door. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to work on Monday. I'm like, guys, something happened. It's broken. 
it's over, right? Like, I'm not going back to State Farm or Steak and Shake or wherever the fuck people work. Right. That is not fulfilling because you're like, bitch, it's over. This whole fucking group of lies and symbols we, you know, money and governments, whatever, it's done. Right. They're lasering 3D printed babies into us and they're, they're mind controlling us. It's over. In that, these guys have the most honest reaction, right? Because you you have the two, right? There's the Zella be like, I'm very academic about it. I know I'm replaced. Uh, it's inevitable, right? This is where we're going. Or the, it took our jabs. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's, it's a, again, it's why I, watching it, I just thought of Invasion of the Body Snatchers because it feels very much like, it is that, like, there is obviously a, you know, story of communism stuck inside there somewhere. But, like, at the same time, it is about, your inability to handle the fact that you are replaced or that you are that yeah. you're going to be replaced anything like that like that is a mm. that's a human constant that's a very human emotion and i think that's the kind of crazy thing is to me like that was the thing the kids to the kids started to have far more human reactions to like again the the car the car crashes to me like the like the great moment in the movie because like these kids are far more human than we're ever acting. Like again, Zellaby is literally like, well, I'm sure it's all right. We'll figure it out. We'll go have a British intelligence <laughs> meeting about it. It'll work out fine. All this other shit. Like, but cause you're right. The guys in the bar who literally like they're like, they literally have like fucking pitchforks and fire with them. Like they are the honest reaction to. Yeah. Like the, they took our jobs gag. Like that's exactly what it is. But Yeah. But, but I, I let me stop you but, there though, because you made a point about body snatchers, though, right? I think what makes this one even a little scarier, right? Because that's just we are replaced by something, right? Body snatchers in almost all of its versions is another Griffey would, uh, you know, emerge from what I'm assuming is a quadruple XL pod, right? <laughs> he like tries to sit up, but he gets stuck. He's out of breath. He's like, "Fuck!" He stands up and he's like, "Hi, I'm here. You're done." I'm like, "No." We try to fight. We both have asthma and die. <laughs> but that's that's like someone's trying to replace me with a more uh, ready to be ruled hive mind me. What is really cool about the story of Village of the Damned is that if you take out the alienness, right? Like, let's say you took out the bubble and you just started the movie with, wow, every woman in the village is pregnant and all the kids are the same. And we don't know anything about aliens or that how this happened right these men are afraid of the exact thing that is supposed to happen to keep our species alive right which is we are supposed to breed and the mixture of our genes makes a stronger offspring that will then go forth and do that right. so these men are again the the start of it changes that a bit but they are really scared of the fact that there are just better people right i mean right? i think that's the that is like to me the that's like the man versus that's the men versus women argument in this because uh, look the women in this movie are pretty docile like they understand what's happening like it's pretty fascinating well, i think it's a movie of its time where they're not allowed to be sure. the pov even though I'll, they are the ones that are the most affected by right. it which is strange i will i'll give you that like that's absolutely true in a way <laughs> i i mean definitely a movie a victim of its time but what I also say is that because, yeah, like, I mean, there's a scene where literally Zella be like slaps a woman across the face. It's like, oh, she's hysterical. Like, Jesus Christ, what is going on? Here? <laughs> ah, an emotion. Right. That's the British is. Ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's like it's such a weird kind of um yeah, I'm not sure. It's such a strange thing because to me, women and again, we've had a kid now. Women give birth. Like they are they are the they are the life givers. We're literally men are literally just yeah. like holding the package. We just like, here, here you go. Like we're like we're FedEx or Amazon Prime delivery and we're like, here yeah. it's a it's a same day delivery. Don't worry about it. But well, like, actually, you're giving us even more credit than that. What we really are in the birth process is I order it on Amazon. <laughs> Someone else like does everything, right? Makes the product, brings it to me. Right. But I pick it up at the doorstep, and you're like, look what I did. I gave us a book, right? <laughs> like, we really have no value in the birthing process. But that's what I mean. I feel like that one, that there's a couple great moments of that with the women characters. But what they really missed in this movie, right? Because all the men characters, right? Like the bar and the war room scene are the same scene but inverted, right? That is the rich power people who realize that all of their fucking power is uh, an illusion, right? It is so much dust in the wind and they are pretty much fucked now. Because these kids can defend themselves and, you know, oh, we sent soldiers in. They all just murdered each other. Like all of their power and wealth and knowledge and all that shit doesn't matter, right? So they have this very obvious... You know, how can we keep our power for as long as possible? The minute the bar are like, fuck, I've had nothing. I still got nothing. <laughs> now these fucking kids are here. I'm going to go fuck them up. And that's a, <laughs> that's the same scene, right? So the yeah. men characters are, you know, especially back at the, the further back you get, it was more of a we're men. We're strong rulers, right? No, emotion, no emotions. Hunters. Woo. Right. And to be confronted with your fucking absolute. Uh, you know, flaccid ability to respond to this scenario. Right. So the movie does a great job with that version of this, right? Yeah. What I don't think they do is what happens to a mother who is violated, but then maybe through the course of this, they have to have this weird relationship, right? Like they're still nurturing this child and raising it. Is there some kind of bond that's actually formed? I mean, they're never like that version of, I created a life, but I didn't. It's not the life I hope. Because the mom, when she's like losing it in the bed, I thought that was a really fascinating look at this. She's like, "Who, whose life is it? What am I growing?" And that has to be so fucking ridiculously scary, right? For that to just be happening in your body for nine to ten months, yeah, and not fucking know. Because one of the scenes that I thought was really cool was when uh, you know the doctor is like testing them all. And he's, he puts the x-ray up, right? And they look at it, and he goes, that is the most perfectly formed embryo I've yes. ever seen. And the fact that it's so perfect that that becomes scary, right? The fact that when the kids walk around, they're all dressed up. They're all well-behaved. We don't see that wild spark in them, right? When we see them interact with other kids, they're, they're little shit burglars. You know, they're roughhousing. They're dirty. They're kicking balls, right? That's how we think of kids, right? Kids are fun because they have this, we don't know to be downtrodden and miserable yet, right? Right. These kids walk around this town like they're 48-year-old accountants, right? And they've already, like, had the joy of life taken from them. And it's weird that we see that in in these kids. We see what we become, and we're like, gross, it scares me. Instead of like, this is what you should have. That's what we tell our kids. Like, act better. Do that. Everything we tell our kids to be is what these kids are. Right. And we see ourselves in it. We go, gross. Repulsive. Atomic bullet. Pew. <laughs> it's it's a really nice game the movie plays, though, man. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that's the thing that makes the movie scary and entertaining all at once is, I mean, you know, scary and entertaining are the same thing, but I mean, I think that's what makes it worth watching in general, especially this version is because Mm -hmm. there is this sort of just, there's just this sort of notification to all the adults is like, listen, you have absolutely, you have nothing left to give the world. Like these (laughs) kids are the next thing. And again, that's like, it's, it, it factors into the, um, communism thing but also the atomic age all this stuff of the unknown that we had in 1960 yeah. like just scratched the surface of and even now like looking at it now it is still terrifying because you never know these like kids are just because kids themselves are right. just these packets of who knows that yeah. you know you you could have you could have the bad seed you could have a village mm-hmm. of the damned kid or you could just have you know a, a regular kid i don't know just it's just it's all just, just a little rego right little, we all just want a little rego. just a little normie i don't just know just a little normie just a, li- a little normie but yeah but but that's that's the line that zelleby says it kind of distills because i think that's one of the things that i think some people would say that this movie drags a little bit after the kids come in mm-hmm. you know because it's a lot of sitting and pontificating about what these kids are but i think it really works for this movie because again like the invisible bubble at the start uh, we're told that it, you know, is gone because a cow stands up, right? And everyone wakes up. That invisible bubble never leaves, no. right? So the whole movie, there is this absolute helplessness that sends these characters into this nihilistic spin, right? which I think is really important, right? And so, yeah, there's a lot of pontificating and talking and not doing stuff. But I, I think it's it's a really good effect actually yes. right because again it's like all these men of action and whatever you can't do anything what the fuck do you do yeah. i mean i think you it's just the, sit helpless yeah it's the it's the helplessness of it all and the sort of stillness of the location and the story itself yeah. that makes it that much more tense it's it's really what sells the movie and makes it worth watching yeah well when zelleby says that right we could jump science forward a hundred years right and the other guy's like, or die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what's the point? Like, oh, sweet, you'll have an iPhone 1000, but we'll all be dead, right? We'll all be weird-eyed zombie freaks. Uh, you know, you butt that up against, right? So the helplessness, but is it a gift? Is it not? And then you just have these kids. There was a line in the movie, too, that resonated with me more, right? That we have to survive at all costs, right? When David comes, he's like, hey, make some plant. We need to get out and get among the populace. Yeah. He's like, maybe we have fucked up by doing all like just in one village, right? Maybe we should have jumped a little more, right? Instead of six and one, maybe do like, doo, 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 doo. you know, every right. town's got one weirdo kid, right? So they, they needed a strength in numbers in their larval state. Now they're like, we got to get out and start banging normies, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we'll do it that way. Right. But there's this line when, you know, there's a twofold moment where he talks about, you know, you shouldn't be asking questions like where they came from, right? Right. And the kid also says we have to survive at any cost. So it gives them almost this, they're they're the last of their kind, right? So instead of this is the birth and rise of something new and scary, this is the last gasp of something that is scary to us, right? So there's this cool, you know, maybe this, instead of looking at the movie as this is them seeding for a future, this is them trying to seed because they were us, man. They ran too close to the sun and everything's fucked up and now they're here. We, we never quite know, man. Um, did you settle in your brain? What do you think these kids are? You think this is an alien thing for sure? I think they're aliens. Yeah. 
it seems that way to me. There was a weird part of me, though. In the final shot, right, when we see the fire in the building, mm -hmm. we see, like, eight eyes, right? It looks like a Scooby-Doo, like, opening <laughs> title card. Right. And they float to the screen. I was like, demons, I knew it, demon sperm. This is what that lady was talking about in Washington. <laughs> demon sperms, no, right? Because their eyes just go, oh. I, the eyes survive, right? Maybe they're still I mean, out there. You know, they're aliens. They could have just survived in general. I, I've always, I always assumed they were aliens from the, like, probably halfway too. through, I'm like, aliens, for sure. But if they're aliens, though, that seems really strange to me. Because, again, what I like, this is an alien invasion movie in most senses, right? But I like that it's a quiet, very still. It's not this big bombastic, uh, you know, it's not like an Independence Day thing, right? I think it's a cool way to look at it, you know, have a little more time to pontificate than watching the dog jump through, you know, an explosion in the, the tunnel and stuff. Right. But if it's aliens, I have all these extra questions, right? Like, where are the crafts? Uh, do they even need crafts? Why this strategy? Why must they survive at all costs? Uh, why not send backup, right? If you're sending all these, like, where's the guy who is creating all the, the embryos, right? Right. He's pumping them in. Isn't he hiding in the wood? Like, what if it's the predator, right? He's hiding in the woods like the tall man, like, yeah. So when some guy comes out with a shotgun or, you know, a drunken torch bearer, he's like, oh, I'll fuck them up for you. Don't even worry about that. Right. They don't have intergalactic henchmen. No. Uh, you know, they're making everyone horny, but they don't have the powers to make them docile. Like, there's a lot. If it's aliens... I feel like there's a lot more going on, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a... I mean, this is like one of the... It's a fascinating invasion movie because it doesn't feel like an invasion for almost the entire movie. It just feels weird. Like, And I think that's strictly because we're all used to like children of the corn. And that's like what's plugged in our brains for like <laughs> pale blonde children. I mean, obviously, not all the children of the corner are pale yeah. blonde children, but like that's the my, my I, this has to be uh, a little ribbing at their German neighbors, you would assume. <laughs> yes, yes, right. Like, there's a lot of that in the casting of these kids. <laughs> right. I mean, that would be. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's it gives them almost a strange sympathy though, because I would disagree slightly. I think it feels very invasiony. Just it's so much more personal. Yeah. Right. Like most invasion movies are we're here with our robots and spaceships to fucking burn it down. These children, actually, they want to be taught by us. They need us to raise them. Right. They're yeah. here. They're not destroying things unless you come at them. Right. Then they'll get you right. Mm -hmm. The Russian kids went off the deep end. But, you know, we all watch Rocky Four. That happens when you just train and train in a lab. Right. It's weird. Right. So I don't know. I, f I found the kids more enigmatic than I remembered this time watching it. Yeah, I mean, to me, they were... To me, they were far more... I thought they were far less. They they felt oddly more human in a lot of ways to me. Like, yeah, well, that was a fun line when David even says to him, he's like, hey, maybe don't ask questions. Don't try to even understand where we are. <laughs> yeah. And maybe they're saying to the audience, we've done a pretty good job here setting... Right, right? When the soldiers are staking the boundary, it's like the script is really a master class in laying out this big, weird concept, right? Like, it really does a great job. Yeah. And maybe that's just the writer, like, there are going to be some things you can pull on. Like, fuck off. Like, it's really hard to do this. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, there is that, like, level in the movie where, like, just, just, just... Can you just watch the movie for, like, ten minutes? Yeah. Thanks. Just... Did you like the car crash? Shut up! <laughs> Do you like the exploding head with the shock? Shut up! 
right? <laughs> you know the scene. I forgot another scene that rocked me this time. Uh, I love the torchbearer scene, right? Yeah. They're coming at the house. There's a weird reaction, though, that I think really sells kind of the whole movie to me, which is he locks eyes with the one guy, right? I'm going to fuck you up. He makes him start lighting himself on fire. You see the guy fighting, but he can't. He's slowly engulfed in flames. Right. The thing that struck me about that scene, though, which I had forgotten since last time I watched it, is the reaction of all the other drunk dads. They don't yeah. leap into action, and they don't make them look like they're captured like the Zellabies were with the suicide guy, right? Right. The dads don't have to be mind-controlled because in that moment, their absolute impotence is laid bare, right? So you just watch these men holding toward. They don't rush him. They don't bum-rush him. They don't start fucking chucking those torches. No. They don't even bring out the other kids, right? They're not going all glowy-eyed. One kid looks at one adult man and stops. It's like, you know, cutting the head off the serpent. That scene, though, watching those dads and the horror on their face as they watch their friends slowly be consumed by fire and the realization that that is to them, I thought was stunning. Brilliantly staged moment. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's one of those great like it's a great uh, moment in. <laughs> When I was watching, I was like, this is like one of those great moments in like humility of a man. You're like, wow, I am fucked. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, well, no, it's it's literally the Chappelle skit when keeping it real goes wrong. Yes. <laughs> that is when he knew he had fucked up. Right. Like, that is the exact Chappelle skit. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like, let's go fuck those kids up. And then as soon as he's like, his kids are on fire. He's like, oh, God, yeah. I regret this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's this perfect. Yeah, it's this perfect. Like. Again, I keep going back. It feels very British, but because, yeah. because, yeah, it's just you're like, that's the best solution we have. Sorry. Yeah. And that's. Well, no, because if they made this in America, that is the thing you have to grapple with is, dude, people would just be fucking sniping at these kids. Oh, all yeah. Day. We've already would have been shooting like, these children. Like, I mean, every fucking homeowner would be like, Ch -ch -ch, it's school time. The bus is here. Like, Ch -ch -ch -ch, you know, just like taking shots. Right. Dude. It would look like Sonny from The Godfather, that school bus, right? Just da, 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 da. every fucking person in an American town would be laying waste to school children everywhere. Uh, we just let our kids get shot yeah, up all the time. We don't give remade. a fuck in this country, let alone if they were fucking demon children. <laughs> yeah, this movie needs to be remade. This To stand the test of time, The Village of the Damned needs to be remade as like uh, set in like Alabama. And then we'll know. Then we'll know if like people. I would are... imagine very much like our Eskimo friends, they'd be like, eh, we didn't quite like it, so we went to slaughter." Right? <laughs> that was actually a cool bit of information, though, is that because they had the white hair, yeah, they knew something was amiss, right? right. They knew something was wrong. Well, and I think and and it is. It, that's another thing in the movie is that the aliens. This feels like a desperate attempt, if it's aliens too. Because they don't do a great job of blending. They obviously take some DNA from us. Right. Because the kids look slightly different. Uh, but the not being able to hide the eyes and the hair feels like uh, if you were a much more clever race, you would have figured that out. Right? Like, you got to know, like, the Eskimos would be like, weird. Right? We got a bunch of Targaryens running around here. What's happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? Dragon's fire. Just mowing them down, yeah. dude. I mean, I think that that. But that's, to me, like. That 
like you were saying earlier, it is like a dig at it's 1960 and the strange, the otherness of blonde haired, blue eyed kids is I think like what they're addressing a little bit in this movie. Like, yeah, that is. And this was definitely not the right time to be the blonde haired, blue eyed kid. Right. Exactly. So like if you, if you (laughs) villainize blonde haired, blue eyed kids in a village in Britain, you're like, cool. Yeah, of course they're bad. They're Nazis. Like there is sort of that like Nazi vibe to them. Look at the way they like those little black outfits. I knew it. Look, they're all dressed in Hugo Boss. Kill him. That's it. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think it's fascinating. It would be because this Carpenter again. I think that is a waste of his talents. I think so to too. remake this Which movie. This is, it's weird because that's like he he loved that movie when he was younger. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a fucking great film. But again, it's what he does so well. There is the the Carpenter man. You'd like to see the John Carpenter man go up against this reality. Yeah. That movie is just very strange in a lot of ways, the Carpenter remake. But I think there's a way to remake this. I think you almost have to do it like Contagion, where it's how do you watch the yeah. global community? Absolutely. Because instead of making like one group of kids we focus in one village, just like World War Z, the book does this, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just jump, jump 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 story all around the world right um a really good version of this story if anyone's interested in reading or it is a sci-fi uh miniseries is uh childhood's end mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite sci-fi essentially it's just a giant ship shows up and we're like what the fuck we're all amped up and then it's like oh okay we can't do anything right and like he talks to like one farmer it's really interesting stuff but it i like this kind of invasion story myself a little more i love the idea of people in power humans confronting the very sudden end of all of these falsehoods that we've built our lives on. I think it's one of the, my least favorite trait in most people are the people you meet who are like, I got it all figured out. And I love movies that shows us that guy and then rips the door wide open to go, Oh, this is a fucking enormous universe that we can't begin to wrap our mind around anything that's happening here. Right. Uh, and just watching those falsehoods crumble and what's left in a character. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I found that really, really fascinating in this movie. I like this kind of invasion film a lot. And really, as a screenwriting exercise, this this script is fucking concise. Yeah. Like, this script really fucking hones in and does an amazing job of uh, dealing yeah. with this really big well, kind of world ripping uh theory yeah. they give us. I mean it's concise and it's also it also does that thing that movies in the nineteen sixties had to do, which like, you know, we saw this in Psycho, where you had to explain a lot more than I think we normally expect people to in movies because at that yeah. time there was not widespread knowledge of like psychosis or just I mean this kind of particular science in general. Obviously there's a lot of science fiction in it but nevertheless like there is a lot of explanatory and expository moments in this movie but they don't feel boring and i think that's really kind of like the thrill of the movie itself i was reading some notes and the director actually was like i really wanted to make this feel like a documentary so that's why yeah that's well what's cool about those overly talky scenes right is that they're still scary because of those opening camera shots exactly of us drifting around watching people in their lives but passed out Mm -hmm. and again that shot on the street that kind of slowly cranes up hits the tree and then ends on the clock tower that camera becomes some kind of ghost agent right some weird voyeur that shouldn't be there when all these people are at their absolute most vulnerable yeah 
And that feeling doesn't leave when the cow wakes up, right? And in the same way, I think it's funny, too, because you get the sense of the ending. It also reminds me it's a corollary back to the pilot. You're like, if they would have just waited five more minutes, five that minutes. pilot's that not dead. Be, that be fine. Yeah, so, like, we have this thought with Zellaby at the end. Like, what if they had given those kids five more minutes, right? right. What if the kids were allowed to go out? What's the, what's the worst case that would have happened? I like that this movie also doesn't land on a complete yes or no, right? Like, are these kids evil? Yeah. Maybe only to us because they are better than us and could replace us. Right. But is that not the natural way of things, right? I like that it doesn't make them just absolute villains. Totally. I mean, I think that that's the value of making a movie where – because in the sense, like, we talk about this this month – with the pods that had the pods evil spawn, like making movies where kids are just like determined, determinedly evil. That feels, that feels false because kids are supposed to be sort of this blank slate in a way. So right to me, when we talk about the evil, evil spawn, it's a, it's children who not necessarily. And again, that's why I like the bad seed because the bad seed, they try to just say, well, she was born bad. There's no way around it. And you're like, yeah, that just seems like a fucking cop out. And that's like the f- But she didn't know she was bad, so she she among right. all of them keeps her child side. Right. And this one right. I think Village of the Dam does a good job of not making these children resolutely evil because when you really watch the movie and extrapolate what they do, like again, I was like, I probably would be doing no I wouldn't know I'm not sure I'd commit murder, but I'd probably be bucking around too. Like I'd probably I'd make someone pay for almost running me over and I'd make someone, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of their actions are defensive in nature. They yes. make sense. Absolutely. And th- these kids, again, these aren't like I would argue Macaulay, like the next two we do. Right. Macaulay Culkin and uh, Esther. Mm-hmm. They are some kind of fucking maniacal broken thing. Right? Yeah. Uh, these kids just seem like, dude, we got a job to do. We're here. Like yeah. they literally are like 50 year old accountants who are just tired of uh, your, you know, your, your chucklehead behavior, children. Right. Get in line, children. Right. They're here to wrap your knuckles with the ruler. It just might so happen they wrap your car on around a brick wall too. So they're right. not all the way. They don't value our lives at all, right? Which is probably their like bad part. Yeah. But like every other, like even the mom boiling around hand, you're like, well, she fucking burned a baby. Stop getting day drunk. Do your job. Don't burn your baby <laughs> yeah, with the bottle. Don't burn your baby <laughs> with the bottle. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And you he's totally just, like, deserved in the crib, it. Like yeah. You know, it's weird, too, uh, when they did the birth scene and the dog was growling at the crib. Something that really haunted me this time. No crying. Yeah. No crying right after the birth and the dog. Like, I, when you have kids, you're used to, oh, kids cry all the fucking time. Yes, they do. The no crying is really, it becomes like an extra heavy weight, right? Another yeah. invisible field on us. But, yeah, man, I just I think it's just such a a brilliant idea that they really, really narrowed in on right like they really found the edges and every time i started to have a question they found an answer for me in a really satisfactory way i just i just think it's a a very cleverly crafted piece um again maybe there are some things of the time that aren't as slick and fast-paced and dramatic as you want but i think that lends to the kind of inevitability of the terror man so yeah i highly recommend uh the village of the damned i'm assuming if you made it this far that you're super happy drinking your usual wine uh, that you bought with our code film. Perhaps. So you get $8 off and you'll get a free bottle. I'm assuming you love Village of the Dam. 
I'm assuming you got at us on socials and gave us shout-outs, and we're just like, BFFs, now digital BFFs. I'm assuming you emailed us and said, nailed it, dudes, nailed it. <laughs> also, I am afraid of demon sperm. I'm waiting for that email. Truth. Uh, and I'm also assuming you're watching our faces so you can see uh, our chuckleheads talking, right, on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. All right, guys, we're halfway through. The the pod's evil spawn month uh, may have some extras for you coming as well with some special guests. Uh, up next, we're going to meet the good son. Yes. Um, it's an awesome movie. I'm very excited to discuss. Uh, so until then, for the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffin. I'm Alex Tandino.